Welcome to the Vince Monathon. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And I have a question for you, Taylor. All right, let's get into it, Patrick. What would your wrestling name be? God, I hate that you don't let me prep for stuff like this. <laughs> that wouldn't be any fun. Um, riot. Why? And I would spell it like R-Y-A-T-T. <laughs> and, and why? Uh, Where did this come from? I, my brain, twelve two seconds ago. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just think like Riot. Like that's a that's a cool wrestling name, but like I don't want to be too on the nose, so I'd I'd spell it a different way. Okay. I I do know, and this is completely unrelated to why I chose this, but um, someone I follow on Instagram has a dog named Riot, and I and like it very much fits her brand, and I'm always like, oh, that's a good idea, but that's unrelated. I just like it's it's used, okay. Um, there probably is a wrestler named Riot. In fact, I'm gonna look it up right now, and if there is, you have to come up with a new name. Uh, please don't. <laughs> Um, no, it looks like there's like an event called the riot. I don't know anything about WWE. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. We're, of course, uh, doing all this because we're talking about two movies this week, Fighting With My Family from 2019 and Seabird from 2019. Um, we took another extra week off that we didn't mean to take off because we decided to double these two up. We kind of thought based on all the marketing and, and promo materials and stuff that Vince wasn't in Fighting With My Family very much. But sure enough, he was, but he wasn't in Seaberg very much, so it kind of worked out well. We're talking about two movies today, and we're talking about both of them with a very special guest. We have Jess from Better Than Bad. Jess, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. You know, uh, according to Taylor, this is one of your letterbox favorites fighting with my family. So um, before we... Uh, uh, jump into it. I want to hear uh, uh, why this was the episode you wanted to come on. Yeah, so Fighting With My Family, I watched this film back in, I think, 2020, I want to say, um, when I was trying to watch everything that Florence Pugh had ever been in, because I had become obsessed with her. And um, I just fell in love with this film. Uh, I don't know why, really. <laughs> it's uh, it's not like the most groundbreaking piece of cinema, but um, it's like a comfort watch, and I have watched it far too many times. Um, it makes me happy. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Uh, Finally, my family, of course, uh, like I said, 2019, directed by the very funny, written and directed by the very funny Stephen Merchant, um, follows, as just said, Florence Pugh um, and her whole family. They, they all um, have aspirations of being professional wrestlers. They own like a wrestling gym complex, whatever you want to call it, in England. Um, they do shows, they do training. Um, they're, they're super into the, you know, the WWE kind of world and that, that type of wrestling. And, um, Florence and her brother, whose real name is escaped me. And Zach Zodiac. No, oh, no, the actor's name. Oh. Jack Loudon. Um, yeah, their names are Paige and Zach Zodiac. Those are their wrestling names. And they, uh, they try out for WWE. Florence gets in and it is her her journey um, to becoming a professional wrestler. Um, Vince plays the like trainer recruiter. They call him coach. Um, he kind of does what are like the minor leagues of WWE. I think it's called, is it NXT? NXT. NXT. Thank you. Um, and um, he's, I mean, pretty much like the number two in this movie <laughs> um, mm -hmm. sort of uh, uh, trains rather uh, Florence up 
And um, I don't want to spoil how it ends, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's basically one 90 minute commercial for WWE directed mm-hmm. by the rock featuring cameos by the rock. And I oh, got directed or excuse me. I'm so sorry. Produced by the rock. I don't know why I can't say anything right now. It's been a while. We're rusty produced by <laughs> the rock cameo by the rock. Um, it's, it's very much um, all, all in on that. And um, I got to say, because of those things, I didn't think I was going to like it very much, but mm-hmm. for all the reasons that just said, I dug it. I think it's like a really solid, like it does what it wants to do. It's really solid. It's got Steve March behind it. So it's very funny. And um, it's, it's, um, it's really cute and fun. And normally those things are sort of um, things that you say about a movie when you want to dismiss it. But I think in this case, that's what they wanted it to be. Yeah, definitely. I feel like just you describing it as like a comfort film is like honestly the perfect way to describe it. I can see how this movie is like infinitely rewatchable and how each time you could take a little something different from it. But it's also just a good like film to have on in the background that like makes you feel warm and cozy, which is so funny Mm -hmm. considering it's about like wrestling and like major emotions, like not like, you know, and like screaming and yelling. Um, But it is a very comforting, just enjoyable film. Yeah, it's strange because I don't know anything about wrestling. I'm not like didn't grow up on it. Um, I didn't know anything about these wrestlers. You know, it's based on a true story, um, and I didn't know anything about them. And I went into it thinking, well, I'm not really going to enjoy this that much because it's about wrestling, and I'm not into wrestling. And then I was just like, yeah, a bit sort of like oh this is a really heartfelt film about family and like you know going after what you want and there's all these other little layers to it like you know people um that you love getting to achieve your dreams and how you deal with that and it's just there's a lot of layers to it but it's just very rewatchable it is one of those films that if I'm just kind of in a bit of a like meh mood I'll just put it on in the background just you know feel a bit happier (laughs) i it's funny because like i i don't want to like stereotype you and i know that like england is a very large place and i shouldn't have thought this but i thought to myself like jess is british maybe she actually knows of these wrestlers and like knows of the world of like british wwa i think they call it wrestling um and i was like you know maybe this is like in her top four because of that like maybe she has a sentimentality (laughs) towards it so it's it's good it's good to know that like in in all intent for all intents and purposes for everyone we have on the pod right now it really just strikes as a great movie for people who are just have no idea what this world is about yeah i will say though i grew up not too far from norwich (laughs) So okay, I'm not, I, it's the, yeah, I'm not, I'm about an hour or so away from Norwich. So I've been to Norwich a few times. I don't know any of these people though. Like I don't know them, but um, that was my, that's my one like connection to the place. Have you, have you since watched uh, the documentary? Um, I haven't, I've seen clips of the documentary that this is whole, the whole thing's based on. And I watched um, a lot of, after watching the film for the first time, I went and watched some of Paige's actual wrestling fights um, just to kind of see how they compared. Because obviously the film makes it out that she went into that wrestling match not knowing how it was going to end, but they know how it ends. Um, So it was quite interesting to watch that. And it's quite funny, having seen some of the clips, I don't know if you guys have seen them, it's hilarious how like on point these actors got the mannerisms of these people yeah we watched um the like the making of uh 
featurette on the DVD. Mm-hmm. And I also did like a, the whole documentary is on YouTube for anybody that wants to watch. It. I did kind of like a skip through just kind of um, looking at various parts. What I thought was so funny is like they I mean, they made the living room set look exactly like their living room. <laughs> they gave mm-hmm. them the exact same clothes. They said in the making of that all of the actors were like really serious about like um, not wanting to offend these people and not wanting to make a, a joke out of it out of or them, caricature yeah. out of it. And like, and like be honest and, and you know, they have um, obviously different dialects than they do and get their dialect right. And like, it was very important to them. And I was like, I mean, obviously that's what you do as an actor, you know, you, you care, but it was also just so interesting to me that like this movie that feels like it should be kind of surface level, like there's so much love and care and there's so much love and care put into it. And like, that's, I think totally what, what reflects in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, you know, like we said, I didn't know anything about WWE. I didn't even know NXT existed. I didn't know there was like a training ground. I didn't know how you got in. Um, I didn't know that there were, um, you know, smaller circuits that sort of fed into that. I didn't know how the audition process worked. I had no idea that like cheerleaders got into WWE. Like that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. And so like, it's like, it's very accessible for people that don't know anything about it. I wonder, since we, all three of us are like that, I wonder how people who are wrestling fans feel about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It, I mean, it grossed $41 million on an $11 million budget. So it was successful. Uh, people went and saw it. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely like, <laughs> we'll talk about Seaberg a little bit later, but I had some similar feeling feelings hitting play on both of these movies. And, and this one like totally surprised me. And um, it was, yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's cute. It's fun. And um, they got, they got quite the cast. I mean, this is like Florence Pugh on her way up. Jess, you said you watched this like, because you're a Florence Pugh fan. Mm-hmm. But this was one of her first, like, big film so she had that year in like 2019 where she did this midsummer and little women what a year but (laughs) like crazy what actors dream of but this was sort of like so they kind of got her at the right time because i do feel like if this film was being made right now i don't think that she'd necessarily be involved in something like this um not because she's a snob or anything but she's just a big actor now like she's huge so I don't know whether she'd necessarily be involved in something like this now, but it's quite interesting how, you know, she did that. And then Midsummer obviously was probably the thing that really kicked off her career um, to the stratosphere. And then you obviously had Little Women with the Academy Award nomination, but it's just, it's crazy to think that she just had this year of three really good films just coming out back to back. Yeah. I, I said to Patrick, you know, obviously I don't know about like filming and like, the timeline of release versus filming. I'm just going to assume like, let's go in order of, of release. And I believe fighting with my family came out before any of those other movies. But I I said to Patrick about halfway through the movie, you know, do you think when Florence Pugh was showing up to set for this movie every day that she would have the life that she has now and have the fame and career that she has now? You know, I don't know if she if she did think that, you know, I don't think and even Midsummer, I know it's Ari Aster, but, you know, I mean, I think horror movies are always a gamble. It's an A24 movie. Yeah, it's an A24 movie. Horror movies are always a gamble. You know, people have, you know, such divisive opinions on like what levels of horror 
or you should get into. And, and I think it's, you know, it can be, yeah, just very divisive in people's different tastes. And so who knew what was going to happen with that? And then little women, you know, she's, she's Amy, you know, she's not Joe. And so like, she could have easily had she not given the performance that she did just kind of fallen to the wayside uh, in the cast mm-hmm. of a very also star studded cast. So it's like really kind of incredible watching her in this movie. And, and speaking like to the like featurette that we watched, I think that something that always is like such a good indication that something is done with that love and care is how many members of like the original story or real life or biopic or, you know, all the, all the real people, how many of them come back and talk to you about it? Because that means that you were really in contact with them. Um, Mm -hmm. There are so many biopics and, and movies that are made on real life stories that those people hate you know um people were very quick to be like what did elvis's estate think of you know boslerman's elvis and then to everyone's surprise they were like we loved it but like everyone was involved in this featurette and all these real life people were like oh my god they would text us all the time how would you say this what were you thinking in this exact moment can you walk me through this and they just trusted the actors so much and they were like you don't need our help like you don't have to keep asking you know like you we trust you we've seen bits and pieces of this and like you're killing it so um i thought that that was just like i don't know so sweet Mm. the guy the whole family's like just characters they're like crazy characters as well right (laughs) right (laughs) and this has been really fun to play that yeah it must be hard not to like caricaturize characters you know like Mm. (laughs) because they're not just like normies um which is which is such a funny balance and they did it really tastefully yeah yeah the guy um the real zach zodiac said that the actor would like text him to send like voice memos of how he would say stuff so that he could get his dialect right. And like, that's, you know, that, that shows like an intimacy and that shows like a care that, um, you know, I feel like a lot of, I I don't know a whole lot about the WWE studios universe. Um, but I'm gonna, uh, just take a guess that maybe I shouldn't that movies like, you know, 12 rounds two or the Marine three, um, starring the Miz don't, don't take the same approach with. And it's so funny because like, I can't help but wonder what like the real life page, like, you know, everybody jokes around in their life and says like, who would play me in a movie? Okay. Who would play me? Um, And then like, you know, you have all of these like grand ideas. Like actually there was a joke in the featurette when they were like, what do you think of so-and-so playing you? And they were talking to the dad and he was like, well, I think George Clooney should have played me. Um, so like everybody, you know, has those like goofy ideas of like who would be perfect to play them in a film. And I can't help but wonder like what did Paige, you know, back then, like when the movie was created, Paige was just like, oh, this girl Florence Pugh, like how cool. And now she's like the hottest actress. And she's probably like, well, I have Florence Pugh playing me in a movie. And I just feel like that's that's like so adorable to think about. <laughs> I think we would be remiss, Taylor, not to mention the fact that um, seeing Florence Pugh in Midsummer was one of the most traumatizing theatrical experiences you've ever had. Um, it was, yes. Um, listen, <laughs> I have a difficult time dealing with very graphic and disturbing imagery i can deal with like Mm -hmm. some blood and guts and stuff but when we get into that just like uncanny valley just like fucked up shit for lack of a better term (laughs) that's where i really start to struggle and i 
I'm not joking. I sobbed during this film. Like, I mean, just like uncontrollable. Like, we should have left. Why you didn't pull me out of the theater, I don't know. But you just <laughs> let me sit there and just deal with it. Um, from like the moment it started, like that opening scene where they show the parents, I mm. literally was like, oh no, like I can't handle this. My stomach, my heart, like I can't fucking handle this. And, um, and then like the jumping off of the cliff. Yeah, that and, was like, really it. It was when the old people jumped off the yeah, cliff. Yeah, that really, that, that, that's what started my first sobbing episode. <laughs> um, and there were about four more throughout the film. It, and I hate to say this, and like I'm very self aware about this. I know that Midsummer was transformational for a lot of people, and, and they loved it. And they have so many, you know, just like this catapulted their love for Florence Pugh and whatever. I, I hate to say this, and this is just, again, me being completely self-aware. Like, I could not separate any ounce of the narrative and the story away from, like, how disturbing it was for me personally. So, like, I just recognize that Midsummer is never going to be a movie for me. It's never going to be a movie that I, I look at Florence Pugh's dis- um, filmography with, with, like, you know, tender love. I just, like, it really fucking disturbed me. I will never watch it again. Like, <laughs> it was horrible. It's funny because Patrick, we watched it. Um, Patrick was visiting me in Maine. I was doing a summer internship there he drove 12 hours for a short weekend to visit me in Maine and um, we went to I actually this is so funny we watched it in Stephen King's hometown because um, that was the closest movie theater to me I was in like rural Maine <laughs> on Stephen King Lane it was and so um, which was like already super fucking eerie and mm-hmm. um, he was like and I was like what movie were you going to see like I hadn't even like comprehended the fact that we were going and seeing a movie he said it was called Midsummer. I didn't know anything about it I, I assumed it was a Shakespearean adaptation <laughs> And he was like, it's a horror film, um, but, like, you will be fine with it because it's in daylight. Like, that's its thing. Like, it's not dark at all. And I was like, okay, like, sure. Like, that does seem to, like, lessen a a serious blow. Um, No, it was so (laughs) traumatizing to me. I mean, just so fucking traumatizing to me. You absolutely set her up with that. You'll be fine. It's in daylight. Don't worry. Well, yeah. I also, to be fair, I also hadn't seen the movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I do think you were pretty shook as well. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty disturbing movie. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. There, well. there are people out there where this is like their comfort watch. And like, yeah, no thanks. I'm a fighting with my family kind of gal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's Midsummer so is not my comfort. I think I've only watched Midsummer once because I was, it's, it's a lot, like, even without the disturbing stuff, it's just like heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it's really so heavy. heavy. It's two and a half hours. Yeah. It's, mm. I mean, it's so depressing. <laughs> and like the themes are just unbelievable. <laughs> and so, like, I do understand, like, there are people, I know people in my personal life who just, I mean, rave about this film and and say over and over again like what a feminist like picture like oh my gosh blah 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 and it's like i get it i get how people can take that away from it i don't know how they do it though because when i think of midsummer i get war flashbacks so i just <laughs> good for them it ain't for me ptsd so coming in <laughs> yeah literally that is so funny we'll do the the 
season two, I'll tell everybody right now is the Florence Pugh-a-thon, and we're gonna no, we're gonna re- I opt out. I opt out. We're gonna watch- Jess has already done it, so you should just get <laughs> Jess to go. Home. Okay. But has she seen Puss in Boots: The Last Wish yet? Have you? Done? I have not. Although I have heard oh, amazing things about that. My God, talk about my favorite Florence Pugh performance. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. I I cannot do this on here because we already have like a incredibly long episode on Y two Kids where I dedicate it to this. Puss in Boots is my second favorite movie of the year. It is <laughs> so fucking good. It would be number one if I could get over my own pride to make an animated <laughs> film better <laughs> than like my other favorite film of the year. But like, oh my god, it's so good. You have to watch Puss in Boots. And like, I I thought it might be Florence Pugh. I like I kept being like that voice is familiar, but she does like a really thick like I think like maybe Scottish accent. I don't know. I'm I'm really bad at detecting dialects. Um, I just watched <laughs> Love Island and I I don't remember where anyone's from, so I just know they're all different. Um, but anyway. And so I was like, halfway through the movie, I was like, is that Florence Pugh? And he was like, yes, it is. And I was like, okay, thank God, because it was driving me crazy. And no, let me tell you, I want her to do more voice acting work for real. It was really incredible. Yeah, I need to say, I saw a clip that was going around Twitter yesterday and it the animation looked amazing. Oh my God. Listen to her. I'm not like, I'm not trying to shamelessly plug right now, but for the sake of time, please listen to our Y2 Kids episode on it because it is brilliant. The animation is so good. We did. I think you were saying the episode is brilliant. I was like, no, it's you doing this for 45 minutes. No, I'm sorry. I meant the movie's brilliant and we explain why in that episode. Um, and I, it's brilliant. It's just me talking while Patrick, you know, grades papers. Yeah, basically. Um, I'm amazing. I, I would literally start a Puss in Boots podcast. Like, I think that's how much I have to say about that movie. It's so good. I think you're really going to love Florence Pugh's 2023 with both Dune Part 2 and Oppenheimer. God, kill me now. Oh, no. We can't. Actually, Midsummer sounding pretty good. (laughs) Every time I think of Taylor and I, I just think about how much you absolutely despise Christopher Nolan and it sends me into like a like tailspin every single time that I think about it because I just remember us being on my podcast and you're just being like his crimes against humanity <laughs> I was like wait I can't do this I think I it's particularly it. Tenet I think yeah I fucking hate Tenet yeah <laughs> I don't know if you saw Jess, but in, in some episode, I can't remember, I said, like, what would what would kill a Victorian child? And Patrick did, like, very simple things. <laughs> oh, she did because she tweeted it. Oh, again. you did? Yeah, yeah and I yeah. said, see, you said- <laughs> True, though. No, I mean, it, it is. Killed I, me. I fucking hate Dennett, and I hate Christopher Nolan. I think someone needs to stop handing him money. <laughs> I think, I think, here's the thing. Oh, Clearly, God. he has some level of talent and, like, some, I mean, he has a shit ton of audacity, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, I think if someone just humbled him a little bit and he reeled it back, like, maybe he could create something watchable. <laughs> you liked a bunch of his movies. You liked Inception, okay? You okay, liked. You tolerated the Batman movies. Uh, I can't remember which ones those were. Uh, uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and we didn't watch the Okay, I did not like Batman Begins. Let's... Nobody likes Batman Begins. Okay, yeah. and No, it's very bad. And I think, and so yeah, The Dark Knight is very good. Yeah. So All right. He's a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Big whoop. A lot of directors are one-hit wonders, okay? Look at fucking Jordan Peele, okay? Oh, I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually, I liked Nope way more than other people. <laughs> I like to know way more than other people. That's because I like it. You're, you're gonna get cancelled soon. You need to stop. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna get death threats. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, 
like, look, he made a brilliant movie and he made one good movie that now we all look back and goob on because as 12 year olds, we were like, whoa, Inception's so crazy. I couldn't keep up. And now we watch it and we go like, oh, that's pretty like mid. Like it's pretty like self-explanatory. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think I'm right here, okay? Um, so anyways. Oh my god. I say so anyways, say someone needs fighting to with him. my family. Um, <laughs> fighting with my family, yeah. Um, oh. Not mid, not mid at all. Not mid, I loved it, I loved it. I thought it was tremendous. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can even hear me over Patrick's cackling. Oh my god. You know that we're going to rewatch Tenet before Oppenheimer comes out, right? All right, Get, make me sedated. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't even like smoke weed, but like I'll take an edible before. <laughs> maybe the, maybe it would make sense if you did. I that. know that's what I'm saying. Like maybe that's not a bad idea. With Ken Brana in his slides. Oh, I forgot that that was that movie. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot he was in it. Oh my god, I thought he's got his flip flops. They're not flip flops, they are like Gucci slides. Gucci oh flip flops. No. I can have them ripping your socks, and that's all about the music. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, god. There's a man that should do more, and there's a man that should do less. And I think Christopher Nolan should do less, and Ken Brana should do more. Oh my god. Just for our own entertainment. Okay. Okay, we gotta talk about fighting with my family now. <laughs> anyway, Vince Vaughn is in this movie, and that's why we do this show. <laughs> yeah, that's why we. This is the Vince Vaughn. <laughs> All right, you need to get it together, so I will continue. You are right. Vince Vaughn is in this movie, and Vince Vaughn gives a drum roll, please. Pretty mid to good performance. <laughs> I like him a lot. I, I like him a lot too, but is he doing anything like off, like okay. anything new? Here, here's here's my thing. He has perfected, and I think it's it look what well, looks like years and years of not sleeping. He has perfected the sad eyes. Yeah, he needs Botox. And- <laughs> Other men in Hollywood get Botox. I think you should just give and, in. And, and so he's he looks tired all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it and I like it. It works a lot for this movie because he's like constantly like over their bullshit because you know he's like the the drill sergeant coach of of training up these new wrestlers and then of course you find out like you know most way through the movie that he's actually had kind of a hard path to even get where he is now it's a lot of disappointment so like yeah yeah the, the sad eyes work and so i like i really dig the fact that he's just like He's not doing a bit. He's not doing the eh, laugh. He doesn't like. God. <laughs> he does it in Seaburg, and it's like at the most awkward moment. <laughs> when he says like something. Super I don't know racist. why. Why do directors keep asking him to do this? Because there's no way. There's no way that he that that is not like his shtick now. You know, clearly, I don't know. Does he? Tr- he there, okay. Nothing can satisfy this answer for me. That he just does it because he likes it in every movie and no director has been like, Vince, cut the shit. Okay? <laughs> they know that that's his laugh. And why they continue, why those editors sit down and watch that movie 700 times before they make it to, to, to the screenings. They watch that laugh 700 times and go like, that's a good fit. 
And every time, no one stops this man well, from this hooliganry. That's what I'm saying is that he doesn't do it in this movie. He's just, he's like being purposefully mid. Like he's, yeah. Just, like, no, I agree. Like he's Stephen like, Stephen Merchant I, had the balls to say, don't do the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> True. All Rain hail in. Stephen Merchant. <laughs> well, Stephen Merchant's a funny guy as well. They're probably, he's probably like, look, I'm funnier than you. It's really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop um, with the laughs. Like, he's just doing it, you know, and he's not, like, he's doing a, a similar kind of, I don't know, universe of role in Hacksaw Ridge, where he's the literal drill sergeant. But in that one, he's, like, doing a bit. And yeah, and he's he's definitely, like, copying other people, which is, like, yeah, he's, he's, like, uh, uh, part of the long lineage of people who have played drill sergeants yeah. in, in movies, you know. Um, but in this, he's he's just, like, doing it. And, and, like, I like that we've, like, gotten to that point of his career where he's, like, He's not doing the frat guy thing anymore. He's not doing the asshole thing anymore. He's just like doing what he's supposed to be doing in movies. Mm. And like, this is like the perfect movie for that. Yeah, I think he's a really good fit in this, actually. As like, you know, when you look at against everything else, he fits in that role really well. Um, he does it really well. He's he's not there to kind of, he's not really, realistically, that character's not there to be a standout character anyway. So he's just there doing what he needs to do guiding the lead character on the path <laughs> then he's, he's like some wise sensei <laughs> he's getting them to where they need to get to Mr. Miyagi um, of fighting yeah, literally that um and then you know just does it really well and you know has his funny moments but isn't being yeah like you say isn't doing any of that sticky stuff I know that like um I lost my thought Anyways, continue. Okay, cool. You're still settling down from that bit you were doing. Yeah, right? I'm sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, hold on. I remember I'm it. still settling down okay. from it, too. I know that this sounds, like, kind of, like, funky and ridiculous because, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, it will sound funky and ridiculous. But in the movie, they kind of reveal that Vince Vaughn was a journeyman and he, you know, very much, um, you know, catapulted The Rock's career while, while not catapulting his own. And that was a hit that he took and it, it really, like, devastated him until he reinvented himself as this recruiter, trainer, drill sergeant type. Um, this is going to sound stupid, but, like, he seems like a guy that would have been a really, really mid-WWE wrestler and, like, gotten thrown off of a 40-foot thing for The Rock to become The Rock. Like, that makes sense. There are not many men in Hollywood who I think fit that bill perfectly. And as silly as it sounds, Vince Vaughn totally does. That's Mm. what I wanted to mention is, can we please talk about the image of super-ripped Vince Vaughn? Yeah, no. Think of, like, Vince with The Rock's physique. Oh. And, like, they just, like, totally skim over that. And, like, no, no, no. I need, like, a Photoshop picture Well, I would imagine that he was not in The Rock's physique. But he was a WWE wrestler. I mean, he was ripped. Well, look at Zach Zodiac. But that guy's still, like, I mean, he's, like, at least, like, super muscular and, like. Yeah, I think that's what you would get from Vince is super muscular on his frame. Vince is, like, 6'5". I mean, like, he's a big guy. Like, if he was super muscular, he'd be fucking huge. Well. That brings me to my next point. <laughs> Vince Vaughn is how tall? Like 6'4"? Six, 6'5". Six, Who is another upper six feet historical figure in the dub in in the wrestling hall of fame? Alright, everybody take your guesses. Alright? Are we do we have our guesses? He's in the wrestling hall of fame for wrestling. He is over six feet and he is a historical figure. Abraham Lincoln. 
as some of you may know, I work in the world of Abraham Lincoln, and that is all that I will say in regards to my job and where I work in my job title, which is very bizarre. But um, yeah, it's true. We just had a, a national trivia day, and someone shared that with me, and I was like, holy crap. He w- went undefeated before his political career. Okay, that also goes uh, skimmed over. Like, we should talk about... Abe Lincoln as a yeah. wrestler, and we should talk about Vince Vaughn as a wrestler. I think Stephen Merchant should make that movie, and then Vince Vaughn should play him. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Vince Vaughn can be Lincoln. Yeah. I, I think that, that works. Uh, he, okay. Abraham Lincoln definitely had sad eyes, too. Oh, okay. Oh, 100%. Um, he was troubled. He, to be he fair, had there some, was a he, lot to be sad about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that that could be a really good fit, actually. So Who do we pitch um, this to? <laughs> I know. Um, uh, we will pitch it to The Rock. Maybe The Rock will make it. He'll produce it. He loves, um, so he the loves Rock. a wrestling movie, clearly. Yeah, so <laughs> if you're listening to this, Dwayne, um, here's a movie for you. I just, like I can't get over this. I cannot get over the idea of super rimmed Vince. We should go to like one of those like AI websites, you know, where people yeah. type in, you know, like I want to see barack obama eating a bowl of cereal yeah. and it like makes the really fucked up picture of yeah it. i'm gonna do that right now have you ever seen that company that creates t-shirts and you just give them like five keywords and then yeah they do a t-shirt okay i'm gonna make you a t-shirt to have it sent here and you don't get to like prove the design and i'm gonna be like vince vaughn muscular wrestling and then like vince vonathon and that's gonna be our our um official vince vonathon t-shirt <laughs> Vince Vaughn, super muscular, wrestling as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, with a top hat. <laughs> with a top hat. Don't you think yeah. it's like a little late for t-shirts? Like we're only the Vince Vaughnathon for like one I more month. I meant for us to have, to memorialize it. Uh, I mean, obviously, I can't sell another person's design. That's literally <laughs> illegal. I just meant as like a mascot of our work. Uh, That's what you have to remember this by. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can you believe we've gotten all the way to 2019 now? Like, we're, like, almost done with that. When you said 2019, like, I was going to say something really, like, X-rated, but I was shook. What were you going to say? I was just going to be, like, my asshole tie-in, but <laughs> we can cut that out of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that was, like, I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. 2019. All right. All right. All right. Get up the mic. Get up the mic. Okay. Open mic's over. Jess, do you have any final thoughts on on fighting with my family i know you wanted to come talk about this movie and not tenant so anything else you want to <laughs> jess is my favorite audience because she always laughs at my jokes <laughs> um, you're encouraging her i'm sorry i was like well i'm, I'm gonna keep encouraging no i i just it's a great film it has some great little quote quotable moments some random things and i will say this as well this is very true to a very particular type of like English person. Some of the stuff that they were saying, <laughs> I was like, I have, I worked in a pub for a while. <laughs> I have heard people talk exactly like this. Okay, wait, so- no, that we need to talk about what was it? It's like Dick Me it's Dead. Dick Me Dead and Dick Bury Me, me dead, Pregnant. Bury Me Pregnant. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to say that every day. I'm going to have a once a day minimum until the day I die. That is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. And we got not one, but two of those incredible line deliveries. What are some other iconic ones, Jess? I, I'm dying to know what from your I literally date. wrote them down. Are you ready? <gasps> yes. So I loved it when at the beginning of the film, she said, you're going to love wrestling. It's like doing coke, crack and heroin combined. Oh, and love it. the girl's like, you've, you've done coke, crack and heroin 
not combined. Um, amazing. The my mom. Just kidding. I also. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that is a joke. That is yeah, a joke. that is kind of a joke. I also like it when um the she meets the um girls at the when she moves to Florida for the first time and they're like, oh, you sound like a Nazi in a movie. I because- yeah, that's really funny. That is really funny. I was like, what Nazis like what? Like I don't know. I really like when she goes like it just really pisses me off that all they do is they hire cheerleaders and dancers for this. No real wrestlers, and they go like I'm a cheerleader. I'm a dancer. No, she. They say like I'm a cheerleader. I'm also a cheerleader. <laughs> well, at least you're not dancers. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> which is so funny. I do want to say, okay, I, I want to before we go on with this incredible list, Jess. I do. You you brought up a good point. I did kind of think, and maybe this is just the 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 bearing it all truth of it, but like. You know, Florence is kind of a dick to the other girls. And I I understand where she's coming from. Like, they are obviously, because of their lack of, like, professional or even amateur wrestling experience, like, they can danger her. And, like, that is an important asset to, like, look at. But she is, like, kind of not nice and not easy to get along with but also at the same time i kept thinking like sure they get cheerleaders and and dancers and whatever and like that's fine why the hell are they not getting like any repercussions for like literally hurting each other because of their like shortcomings that was weird mm-hmm. to me but i know yeah, I in the like, this is like they, page said that like her coming in actually changed like female wrestling and made people like have to actually learn it instead of just being like frilly Mm. it's definitely like one of those films she was like page was one of those characters that was like i'm not like other girls and it was like yeah very i'm different i'm i'm this and then you know towards the end of the film she's like oh no i don't need to be like that and so that was kind of a cool little thing because we you do have that a lot when someone's a bit you know different likes different things everyone's like well i'm just different (laughs) these girls i can't believe yeah i can't believe that she like wasn't fit like, when she, like, couldn't do I, – I know this sounds horrible and obviously would change the trajectory of the movie and this didn't happen in real life, so this wouldn't happen. But when she, like, couldn't push the tire, I was like, yeah, you should be cut. <laughs> like, you should be cut. If you can't do this, you need to hit the fucking gym or be cut. So very, very bizarre, but I digress. It, you know, the movie's cute enough where you move past it. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Jess, your list. What else you got? Um, so I loved the whole section when the parents are meeting the girlfriend's parents for the first time and they're really um, posh. And he says, what is he? The Archbishop of fucking Kent. Um, <laughs> there isn't an Archbishop of Kent. Um, it's the Archbishop of Canterbury. That's what it is. It <laughs> went right over our heads. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, and then when they're talking about she says you should see his cock there was that as well that I was just you know you're just watching the people and you just think stop talking <laughs> yeah Stephen Merchant said on the on the feature when he like went and met the family uh in real life that's basically the exact conversation that they had at their dinner table mm-hmm. like he went they to their house money. And dinner there. <laughs> yeah and they like did the whole thing about like yeah the guns and money and the being in jail and uh, mostly violence um he was like they said all those things verbatim, and then I just went home and I put them in the movie. 
so that whole section made me die when it was like, yeah, mostly violence. Um, there was like guns and money on the table, and I just thought I've got to turn my back on crime. You hear that like I cannot like describe some of the stuff I have heard in my time working in like pubs and bars. You're talking to these people and you're like, What life have you led? I am sheltered in comparison. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I think that's how people react to me telling my dating horror stories. Oh, God, don't tell one. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> that was my I main did list. have a that guy who pawned a, a ring for my grandmother for drugs. <laughs> and then stole my longboard. That's really sad. I'm pretty sure you Jesus told that story on the show before. Yeah. <laughs> it really is you told it on one of the shows. Yeah, I don't I'm know sure. which one. I'm sure. It's, it's a top fiver. I think that there's like you just when you work in like public facing jobs. Now I didn't work at a bar, so you know you probably get the the real worst of people, Jess. But when you do like customer service, people just tell you the craziest shit, and like you go like I didn't ask, and like I don't know what about me made it seem like I wanted <laughs> oh to know. Like I, I mean, I sold. I, I worked at Macy's for a long time. That was my like getting through college job, and mm-hmm. um, I was I was working in like the dress department one day, and this woman was buying a dress. And I didn't help her or anything like she just she was just checking out like I had not spoken to her. And um, I was I was bagging the dress, put in one of those dress bags. And she went, I'm getting this dress for my husband's funeral. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, why did you do that to me? Like, I, was, I didn't say anything. Jess, I know that this will not resonate with you because <laughs> you're not American and have not experienced the absolute unbelievableness i can't even think of a word to describe it that is unbelievability yeah the unbelievability of trader joe's so trader joe's has a reputation trader joe's in uh, no that's very american Uh, i've heard Um, of trader joe's but yeah like but trader joe's and i'm not joking and if you're if you're american and listening to this you know exactly what i'm talking about trader joe's has a reputation for the um cashiers being like borderline flirty to people because they're so hyper friendly and also people just like um you know shelling out their entire life story because they are so friendly so i will give you two examples one from when i was just a customer and when i worked there when i was just a customer one time i bought i was buying a father's day card and it was right after um some drama had happened in my family regarding my father and I literally po- bared my soul to this poor Trader Joe's worker. And then I got it back 10 times worse when I worked there. And I have many unbelievable stories of me basically being like Dr. Phil as I would check people's $400 carts out. But also one specific time, similar to you, Patrick, a woman came up to me and you are trained to like comment on every single item that's like, oh, I really like this. Or like, oh, I haven't tried this yet. What are your thoughts? Do you buy this every week? Or like, oh, we just got this in. I've heard it's really good. Like you are really like supposed to engage with the customers a ton, which is how this, you know, reputation has started. And um, this woman came in and she only came in for a few things, like four items, which is very uncommon for Trader Joe's. Like people come to do their weekly grocery shopping, mainly like families and stuff. And this woman and I said, oh, like a little bit of a light shopping today. And she was like, yeah, well, I haven't been very hungry. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, why not? And she was like, my husband died this morning. (laughs) Yeah, I remember this morning. This morning. Yeah. And I said like, oh my goodness. And 
I will say one thing at Trader Joe's, you are allowed to give out free bouquets of flowers to customers. Because this happens all the time, you are trained that you are allowed to give away free bouquets of flowers You're giving to away customers. the trade secrets, baby. I'm sorry, to, to customers that you connect with and feel like they could really use like a pick-me-up. And so she got she left with a bouquet of flowers. You're so nice. <laughs> I'm just saying. The fact that she was like, he died this morning. Yeah. Girl, yeah. She did you say that it was a long time coming. She said it was a long time coming. He had cancer for several years. And so it wasn't like um, a shock or anything. But it's still just like, <clears throat> She's probably just crap. in like a haze. It was yeah. like, oh, I need eggs. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, just I whatever. I think that's probably exactly what it was. She was, you know, older. So um, it's just so devastating. Anyway, this has been fun. Uh <laughs> Not at all depressing. Midsummer and people telling us that their significant others have died. Um, we're at the forty-four minute mark, and we have still yet to talk about the other movie. So we should probably. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. The other movie. <laughs> the other film. Should probably move on. Um, let's talk about Seaberg. Okay, let's put fighting with my family behind us. Talk about Seaberg. Also from twenty nineteen. Um, it is the story of the actress Jean Seberg, uh, based on her life. Um, I need this. You're taking it away from Sorry. me. Based on her life, uh, where she, after uh, making a bunch of movies in France, comes back to America and sort of gets involved in a way with the Black Panther Party. And then the FBI starts sort of following her. Uh, because she's become this like activist and of course you know they're following the black panthers and it's sort of like a paranoia political thriller um stars Kristen stewart as gene seberg and then vince plays one of the um fbi um agents jess i want to say thank you very much for for watching this movie Because I at first I was like, she said she wanted to come on for fighting with my family. Like, should we just ask her to do one and then we'll just like record a second part afterwards and put them together? And I was like, no, I'll see if she if you know if she wants to watch it. And uh, you were a trooper and watched it right away. And I, I don't know if you have the same feelings that we have about it. But um, the the point is, I, I really appreciate you doing this for us. <laughs> Okay. At least okay. movie forty three was enjoyable and funny. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I mean, you know, we watched movie forty three for her, and Taylor was like, uh, I love that movie. <laughs> okay, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop making me sound like a movie forty three stand. That's gonna, I can never run for president now. Okay, <laughs> I, I think that it was funny and alarming and <laughs> at least enjoyable. Okay. Oh my god! Mm. So, Jazz, your your initial thoughts on Seaberg? Um, uh, it's a bit boring, wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. it's pretty boring. It's so unbelievably mid. Like, just like that, when yeah. you look up mid in the dictionary, this one comes up. Like, from the year that brought you Midsummer and Middle wi- Little Women, Seaberg. Yeah. Like, that's very bizarre. Like, yeah, no wonder it got fucking pushed under a rug. Are you a Kristen Stewart fan? Well, this is what I was going to say. I love Kristen Stewart in terms of like nostalgia. I loved Twilight. I still do, um, unapologetically. And I do think she's a really good actress. And she has clearly shown that in many like different projects. So I'm always like ready to defend her because I feel like she gets a lot of like bad press almost for her acting when it's her acting's good. But this is it's a struggle to defend this. 
Yeah. The acting's good. Like, her acting's fine in this. It's just, like, the whole thing's just a bit, like you said, Taylor, mid. It is a bit unfortunate for Kristen Stewart because you're right. Like, she has gotten so much flack in her career, especially for Twilight. You know, Twilight is so easy to, like, shit on. But also, like, why would you? Like, that's such a low-hanging fruit, I feel like. And and the fact that Mm. people have really, you know, Robert Pattinson was Batman. You know, he has transcended his Twilightism, but that's just, like, the female working actress thing of, like, she will never escape that. And that's, like, really unfortunate because I do think she has a lot of, of potential. Um... That said, because of this, like, laser focus that people have on her and this desire to rip her apart, she can't give mid-performances because you have all of this, these, like, negative commenta- connotations already in your head from the media. So it's just, like, you can't win for losing. Mm. Yeah, I kept, like, every time somebody new would pop up in this movie, we'd go, like, whoa, whoa, like, you you like Jack O'Connell. I don't know what I you love- know him from. I, I know him from Skins, which I don't know, Jess, were you a Skins person? Um, I wasn't, but... It is like British TV gold, so I yeah, have to be like aware it's, of it. it's one of my favorite movies or movies. It's one of my favorite television series of all time. Like I, I ate it up. I've seen it multiple times, uh, and I love Jack O'Connell. I also love Margaret Qualley. So them smooching, I mean, like, give me a movie of that, an <laughs> X-rated one. This, the problem is that's too much of the movie. Um, yeah, you know, you'd be like, oh, that's Jack O'Connell. Like, oh, that's Zazie Beetz. Like, oh, that's Anthony Mackie. Oh, that's Vince Vaughn. Like, I mean, it's like surprisingly like a really stacked cast for the, for the Kristen Stewart thing. Like. A lot of people really love her. I, I have no ill will against her. Like I, you know, I I don't. I'm not a Twilight hater or anything. She's just one of those people that has just never done anything for me. To be fair, I don't mm-hmm. think she's been in many of like movies that we love. Like, yeah. you know, she did Spencer. Like that just straight up wasn't our thing. And yeah. then like you know, she was in um, like Into the Woods. We have Into the Woods. Into the Wild. Yeah. I'm sorry. Into the Wild. I always mix those titles up. Uh, Like, that wasn't our thing. So, like, I think that, you know, she could be, you know, we could see her value a lot more if she did things that we would like to watch. That's exactly what I was going to say, because I was, was, uh, you know, um, checking to see if there were things that I was missing. And when I saw Adventureland, I was like, that's exactly what it is, because I felt the same way about Jesse Eisenberg for a long time. For 15 years, I felt that way about Jesse Eisenberg. But then I just liked him a lot in that show, um, Fleischman is in Trouble. So I feel like maybe there just has to be like the project that, you know, I I get into. But for her, I haven't found that yet. And this was like definitely not it. Like the movie did her no favors. And because I just really have no connection with her, the, the person I do have a connection with is Vince, who's like, I wouldn't say barely in this movie. He's got a substantial part, but he is just like a, a, a pawn in the strategy of this movie. You know, he doesn't do a whole lot that it, it just like I didn't really have anything to root for. I didn't have anything that felt like movies don't have to be made for me, but it it didn't feel like a movie that was for me like at all. And that made it harder to get through. Yeah. And it definitely felt like a film that was trying to get into that Oscar bait category yes. of like biopic. Cause we know the Academy loves a biopic um, and about, you know, and they're sort of like about racism and the black Panthers and all of this. And it's like, that stuff was being discussed in lots of other films in really brilliant ways and so it's just sort of like dragging this in and doing it in a really weird way because I didn't know anything about Jean Seberg I'd never even heard of her to be completely honest and then I was googling while watching it because I was confused as to what was like I was like who is this woman and I googled it and I thought well this there's actually a pretty interesting story in here about how she 
basically got pushed into paranoia based on what the FBI did to her. And we see that very briefly in the film. And I was like, that's the movie, really. That's the that's the part of the yeah. film that we want to see is the her being literally tipped over the edge. But instead, we spend all this time with this FBI agent that I couldn't give two shits about other than the fact that he's Jack O'Connell. And yeah. I'm like, why That's are we... causing her paranoia. Like, who am I supposed to be rooting for? The guy who, like, inevitably kills her? Or the person that, mm. like, is going through this, like, emotional arc, which is, like, what you're supposed to do as an actor in movies? Yeah, it was very strange. It was like they were... It was almost like they were going for the not all cops are bad vibe because this guy felt guilty over yeah. what he was doing but it's like yeah. but that's not the point that the film is called Seba <laughs> it's literally yeah. supposed to be her movie yeah. and I just felt like it wasn't I felt like she was I felt like there was two leads it was her and Jack O'Connell and I felt like it shouldn't he should have been the supporting but he was popping up way too much I totally agree with that that's a really really great point I feel like they just sort of took the wrong angle, like at all times. Like there's a lot of things in this movie that they, I mean, you know, listen, we are adults. We know how biopics work. Like they, they fabricate, they blow things out of proportion. They stretch things to make it fit the movie. Right. But there's a lot of things in my, in my very brief research. And I also didn't know anything about Gene Seberg. I had to do a lot of Googling myself to, to better understand what was happening. There's a lot of things that they commit to truth in this movie. You know, mm -hmm. the, the possibility of her child being um, Anthony Mackey's mm -hmm. child, right. Is something that the FBI in real life made up mm -hmm. and, and, but they say, oh, it could have happened in this movie. And they do that enough to go like, why Why this movie? Like, why yeah. this? If you're just going to kind of like do whatever you want anyway, and you're mm -hmm. going to make a movie about paranoia, uh, FBI surveillance of this, uh, you know, of, of of the Black Panthers, why are you doing it through this person? Like, it just felt like I, I, I didn't understand any of it and then i i checked who the director was and i was like oh yeah i get it now because he has made a bunch of things that have just completely flopped for me in every way he did the cat on a hot tin roof which they did national theater live and with when, jack o'connell when when, when when they put jack those out in the pandemic on i think it was just like youtube they had them on they would they would put them mm -hmm. up for like a week at a time we watched that and i was like oh he did not get Tennessee Williams at all, you yeah. know, and then um, he made that movie Una, which is um, uh, uh, the film adaptation of the play Blackbird by David Harrower. And that play is brilliant and so well done and so well crafted. And I felt like he didn't get the that play at all. <laughs> and like he the, the movie just like did like it, it erased all the subtlety of the play. And then in this, I was like, OK, it's kind of like three strikes. You're out for me at this point. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like we just have different opinions on like the material and on how um, stories are told and what matters in stories. And, you know, he's mm -hmm. he's a friggin movie director he can do whatever he wants but it just felt like i don't i don't vibe with this guy's uh, opinion on things at all and mm. and so and then every once like the first time vince popped up we both went oh because we like forgot that we were watching it for vince <laughs> because <laughs> just like so we do that every once in a while you know the movies that he he's like i don't want to say barely in but you know the movies it that takes he, a while for him to get there it takes a while for him to get there he's a supporting character we go like oh yeah that's right that's why we're watching jump, jump scare as well it's like oh i wouldn't have watched seabrook otherwise i would have never watched this movie otherwise and then um i i it's 
you want to talk about low hanging fruit. I feel like this is like a, a, a super easy, lazy comparison, but um, a year after this movie comes out and not even, I guess, six months, a year after this movie comes out, Judas and the black Messiah comes out mm-hmm. and you go like, Oh, that's the movie. That's yeah. they, they did it there. That's it. Nailed it. Done. Check. And Seberg felt like, you know, like, I mean, if you take out um, Kristen Stewart's character, which they basically freaking did in this movie, it feels like the, the worst version of that movie feels like an early draft of that movie. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to like totally steal your idea, Patrick. I'm going to give you total credit. Um, Patrick said, you know, why would they make a black Panther movie and call it Seaberg and make it about a white woman and then not do it very Mm -hmm. well? Like that's, and I I totally agree. Like, I think that's very bizarre. Like there are like, you know, we were saying there are so many like rich you know, movies that effectively tell the story of the Black Panther or, or tell the story of people involved with the Black Panther so well. And I just feel like it, it's so bizarre to me that like of all the tales that they're of all the stories that they chose to tell, they choose one about a white woman. Like, and they didn't even like, I think they, something they, that really shows, sorry, something that really shows off the, the issue with that film is that, that one of the opening scenes is her that the Black Panther's all taking a picture and then the white woman pushes herself to the front and raises her fist. Yes, and it raises it higher than everybody else. Like everybody has a bent elbow and she has a fully stretched elbow. Like that is very, you know, like damning imagery that like just went totally unchecked. Yeah, it just mm. like I, I agree that what they did this woman is is terrible in real life and they ruin her life and they, you know, according to uh like the general consensus is they, they pushed her to commit suicide, which is horrible. Um, if you're going to tell that story, which I, you know, I'm not going to say that story should be told. I, I think that there's, there's worthwhile things in there. Why lie? Why take this angle? Why make it about the FBI guy? Why say things that were fabricated could maybe be true because it might make your movie a little bit more interesting. It just felt like the entire time I was just, I, I was just saying like, I just did, past 10 seconds just go why 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 i think it's also like a little bit disrespectful to her like as a person you know she clearly went through something really horrendous yeah Um, absolutely and you know you talked about trying to do a good thing yeah and you talked about like the whole um them saying oh it could be um our child it it might not be in real life i was reading up that in order to prove that it was not because the child unfortunately died then um, she had a miscarriage and she had to go through with the birth and they had an open casket at the funeral of this child to prove that it was a white child because of all these horrible rumors and you just think so when it got to that point in the film where they were like oh but what if it was our child i was like this is so disrespectful on so many levels because this woman literally was forced not only did she end up having a miscarriage but she was forced to show off her child her dead child to prove that she you know it wasn't the child of someone else and then you know we get like the typical um at the end of the movie biopics you know they flash up what happened to that person and what happened to all those people after the movie ends and you know we you, you can sort of assume where it's going to go right um, especially if you know the real life story and but that's so weird to do that after you just show the scene of Jack O'Connell feeling guilty and giving her mm-hmm. the tapes and saying yeah you were right the whole time like why why does this guy get a redemption arc yeah and you know <laughs> just like going back to that like the people that we see like the most in this movie are Kristen Stewart, who is white, also sharing it with Jack O'Connell, who is white, and a British actor. Like, not to say that, you know, British people can't play American people. It's just like, what? And then, like, Vince Vaughn. And he's just like, 
why the fuck like why are you taking this route like i think that this could have been a stronger movie if either first of all they committed to telling the story truthfully and and unabashedly or if they decided to do something more you know just like inspired by true events and you know they just took themes of this movie and then kind of created a whole entire new narrative um but mm-hmm. they didn't they did something in the in the middle that i think is harmful for like the family involved and and you know i i yeah i just it's really bizarre and unfortunate i feel like they should have um it felt like they didn't know what story they wanted to tell because it's like they had this whole thing about the Black Panthers and then they had the whole thing about like um, Jean Seberg's like career as an actor and how she wanted to do something real and and whatnot. And then they had this other story about how the FBI did, you know, stalk people (laughs) and tap into their phones and everything um, and try and... uh, make them out to be people that they weren't to push away what if sort of their own agenda wasn't it to um make it look like the black panthers were bad people and it's like are you telling a story about that corruptness of the fbi or are you telling a story about the black panthers yeah because they're it felt like they were trying to do everything and unfortunately in a you know a film how long is this film like just over 90 minutes you can't tell every single aspect of that and it felt like you need to pick which one you're talking about because if it's going to be about gene seberg it needs to be about what the fbi did and how they pushed her to paranoia and how they um really tried to drag her name through the mud just for their own sake but it, and there was like f- like throwaway co- comments about the president at the time being the one who even instigated the whole thing but that wasn't even really like delved into enough i was like the literal yeah. president <laughs> of the united states of america and you're just like oh yeah he said to do this i said um could we just like focus on that a little bit more for a second it just like yeah it's just a bit it felt like it was a bit all over the place whereas if i i do feel like if it had focused its energy a little bit more if it's going to be about gene seberg make it about her then maybe it would have been a little bit more successful yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think there are a lot of parallels between her and this performance and Spencer of that mm-hmm. just like immense paranoia. But like if you're listening to this and you want to watch a, a good Kristen Stewart, you know, performance, watch Spencer. You know, that's like a, a good narrative. You know, like it wasn't my thing personally. Yeah, it's, it's like a picture but... movie. If you, It's like if you want to watch the Seberg movie, go watch Spencer. You want to watch the Black Panther movie, go watch Judas and the Black yeah, Messiah. Exactly. And there's no yeah. reason to watch this movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And listen, I know we don't like to talk about Vince's uh, political affiliations. <laughs> But he's got some splaining to do after the past, like, <laughs> seven movies that have all starred, like, Mel Brooks and been, like, no, vaguely... Meg Mel Gibson. Uh, <laughs> I don't... I said to my coworker, this guy was like, I watched Spaceballs. I love, like, Mel Brooks or whatever. And I was like, oh, I just watched a Mel Brooks movie for the Vince Vaughn-a-thon. It was Hacksaw Ridge. And he was like, what? <laughs> I just... I'm sorry. Um, my brain is just filled with things that are, are not movie directors' names. Yeah. The, um, you're like... you his the casual racism in this yeah, and you were like oof <laughs> yes. yeah oh my gosh big yikes big yikes i i have i i would never repeat the things that he says in the movie but God, the no. first thing out of his mouth we both went like <laughs> yes i was like yeah. oh, oh god like, that, yeah it's geez. that like 
it's not like okay do you put you know this sort of language in there to tell your point and tell your story or do you put it in there because you're a writer and you can and like that's when you go like yeah yeah i Mm. I feel similar i don't you know in in submission for me at least like i i didn't really find much about it that i i took away from it i mean i now i know this real life story because i looked it up afterwards yeah exactly that's the thing is like if you're interested in the in the real life story google it read a book you know like like, there's like no really there's like no angle at which you should really you should really end up at seaberg unless you're following along with us which um why would you do that we are the (laughs) we are going to be the only people i promise you we are going to be the only people that have on the planet that have seen every vince bond movie you know that vince hasn't well, need I remind you that when we launched this, someone DM'd me and asked us to not do it because they were going to do it. Okay, but number one. So they it, it could have been an alternate reality. I should have taken her up on it. Number one, those people are losers. And <laughs> okay, they might listen to this. And they wouldn't have finished. I know they wouldn't have finished. They wouldn't have had the Constitution. Billy finished. didn't finish. Also, you know that they, like, his wife has not watched South of Heaven, West of Hell. You know, yeah. his wife watched Wedding Crashers and the breakup, and maybe she saw Seaberg at the premiere or whatever, but, you know, she didn't watch freaking Just Your Luck. We're yeah. going to be the only people on the planet. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Probably. And that's not a claim to fame. We are the Vince Vaughn people now. No, please stop saying that. I'm so <laughs> eager for season two because I need to be, like, the blank person and not, not the Vince Vaughn person. I'm excited to find out who you're going to be um, Well, there will be more into. coming very soon. We only have... Four or five episodes after this. Yeah. That's crazy. Let's do a quadruple episode and wrap it up next week. <laughs> <laughs> Longest episode yet. Go out with a bang. Uh, no, that's so funny. We, to, we actually have to do that in our very final episode. There's like three things that we missed along the way. Um, wow. We said we were like, we're going to watch the Chicago Cubs World Series documentary because oh, he narrates right. it. We didn't end up watching that. And there's like a couple of things that we skipped that we we're going to do like a. Uh, a, a catch up at the end. Are you going to do your like top five and bottom? Yeah, five? we're going to do a couple like bonus episodes. I think of like rankings and and like you know I'll do my like hottest Vince performances and you know we'll do like our <laughs> our top ten or whatever. We'll, we'll figure out a way to do it. And also, as we're doing season two and season four and season seven of this show. We're because gonna, by then it will be our full-time career and someone will pay us to do it. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna like do them as they come out. Because he has not come out with a single movie since we have started this. But I always see like Vince Vaughn spotted in South Florida because he's working on something. He's working on like an Apple TV Plus show, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's a show. Yeah. Um, anyway, any final thoughts about Seaberg? Either one of you guys? Or we... <laughs> I will say, though, as mad as this film is, um, I don't think Vince Vaughn is awful in it. <laughs> He's not no, amazing, I, I would agree. but he's not awful in it. I think he plays the role that he's playing really well. I mean, some may argue too well. You're like, what's going on here? Um, you <laughs> feel a bit too comfortable, question, but, <laughs> but he does play it um, well. And, you know, I it's believable at that point. You're like that, especially that scene, that one scene at the dinner table when he's like yelling at his daughter. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, ag- aggressive, angry dad. I Yeah, that, like, freaks me Fine. out. I was like, ugh. <laughs> That's like, ugh, God, yeah. It's the difference in dad versus daddy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there was a universe where he could have been everyone's daddy, maybe if he got Bogogs. Oh, my God. The sad eyes really work well for Seaberg, too. Yeah, they do. 
But mm. now, like, I don't, I, don't get me wrong, I am not perpetuating Botox, but there is a reason that George Clooney can still play the romantic lead in things, and Vince Vaughn would never in a zillion years be cast for that. And He's got one coming out. A, a romantic comedy? Yeah, and, like, uh, it's, like, uh, you know, it's one of his many movies, like, on the docket, yeah. For real? For real. Okay, well, I bet he's sad and, like, widowed. <laughs> like okay well to make my point it's a choice okay it's a choice and he is taking the route that most hollywood actors do not take and i listen there's a there's a part of me that commends him for that i just think it's an interesting choice uh next week we have uh arkansas where vince plays a character named frog and it looks like to be in the same realm of many of these uh movies we've talked about recently so um, I'm looking. Listen, if there's a Vince Vaughn movie where he plays a character named Frog, I'm in. Great. <laughs> um, you of course can uh, find the show wherever you're listening to it right now. Apple Podcasts, where you've already rated us five stars, left us a nice review. Um, you have um, uh, 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 subscribed. I couldn't think of the word. The real place to find us, though, is FeaturePresentationVideo.com. It's our website. It's the hub of everything that we do. This show, uh, Y2 Kids, which we referred to earlier, where we're watching uh, childhood shows and movies um, from the years 95 to 2005. The Feature Presentation podcast uh, that we, uh, for a long time, only did on the website. Everything that we write, everything that we do can all be found um, on FeaturePresentationVideo.com. You sign up, you put your email address in, we'll send you everything that we do for free. We put something out at least uh, every weekday, and it's all free, and it's it's the best way to support us. Um, Jess, before I continue the plugs, would you uh, like to promo your own show and yourself? Yes. Um, so I host a film podcast called Better Than Bad. Um, each episode, we take an actor or a director and we watch their highest rated show and then their, their lowest rated show, film, you know, um, and we decide which one we prefer. Usually it's the better one, but sometimes it's not. Um, and I get different guests on and yeah, it's a lot of fun. So we're currently in season two of that. And there should be, by the time that this episode of the Vince Vaughnathon comes out, there should be another episode out. So, yeah, you can find us on, I'm saying us, it's literally just me. You can find me on Better Bad Pod in, on Twitter and on Instagram. And, yeah, I'm about on the Twitter sphere as well if you want to follow me. It's so funny that you said normally we prefer the better movie, but when it's Taylor and the two movies are a Chris Nolan movie and movie 43. <laughs> it's not always a gimme <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it's not always a given guys it's not always listen i'm not gonna take any more slander you can believe this fake news that patrick and jess are spouting or you can believe me someone who thinks that fucking movie 43 is just a little bit more entertaining than a boring movie about magic okay <laughs> <laughs> we you know we at the time i think think if i'm not wrong jess i think you've since surpassed it but at the time i believe we were the longest episode of jess's show and now she is the longest episode of our show um you can find uh the show on twitter at vonathon you can also find the show on instagram at vince vonathon i am at patrick j regal everywhere you find people online i am at taylor malone on letterboxd and at mailer talone on twitter uh, the main hub, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. Put your email address in. We're always talking movies, talking shows, watching Vince Vaughn movies. Um, it's it's the place to be. 
And it, like I said, is the best way to support us. Jess, thanks again for coming on the show and for um, uh, sitting through Seaberg for us. It's okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Jess. We really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week for Arkansas. We're not going to double it up. We're not going to disappear for, for a while like we did this time. We will see you again next week, next Wednesday, every Wednesday, uh, for Vince as Frog in Arkansas. See you then. <laughs>